People like to joke about how much moms love listening to Billy Joel. Like your mom likes listening to Billy Joel. Yeah. I want it on record that my mother has never been impressed. I can't remember what the event was. It was Bonnaroo, some other multi-day festival like that. I had an artist bracelet, but I was only going on one night to see some certain thing, but I don't remember what it was. Billy Joel was headlining one of the other nights, and I told my mom I could try to get that bracelet off and give it to her if she wanted to go see Billy Joel. I just thought that she would like that. Yeah. And her response was, and I quote, no desire. That's awesome. <laughs> Dude, I had somebody do that with me with Genesis. I thought Genesis was just universally liked by people of a certain age. Yeah. I said the same thing. I said something, oh, something about how we were going to do Genesis in an episode. And then she was like, oh, yeah, they suck. And I was like, whoa, oh, okay. I, I thought that you were just, it's like a prerequisite. I Honest to God, if you're over 50, I assume that you think Billy Joel's awesome. It is a hard stereotype to not let yourself mm. have. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's one of those things that you're going to have to always battle. I'm just yeah. making that assumption. This person's above this age. They for sure like Billy Joel. This is going to be one of those episodes that people send to their parents or your grandparents or your uncle this or your aunt. This is for sure going to someone in your family. Uh, hello, new listeners of the podcast that are... <laughs> Older, this is a podcast. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys subscribe. That's the button on the podcast app. Be sure to hit it. If you are going to start listening to a podcast, this is probably the first one you should subscribe to. Sit back and enjoy the show. It's the age that Billy Joel is also. It's Billy Joel's peers are who Billy Joel's music is for. It's for people of his generation. And the values that come with that, the social norms that come with that are all very much in Billy Joel's music. He's also got that thing that that generation has where they can't tell what's good now. Like mm -hmm. Billy Joel thinks the Killers are a great band. He's mm -hmm. talked about that before. Well, Billy Joel's not going to like anybody better than him. He is 100% the guy never, ever going to recommend you listen to something that would be better or something he couldn't do himself. So yes, of course he likes the killers. Have you heard of the killers? He, <laughs> they write right down the middle of the road, generic pop music. Maybe that sounds familiar to Billy Joel fans. Who is actually a fan of Billy Joel at this point? It's a lot of people. I wasn't sure if we should come back with this episode or the Clash episode, because I think those are the two that we have recorded so far that are going to cause the biggest response. People get in their feelings about Billy Joel. <laughs> I talked some shit on Twitter to kind of get a feel for it. <laughs> people got mad, man. Billy Joel means something to a lot of people. I feel like uh, Bruce Springsteen's going to be like that too. Where people have a very tight... On a much bigger level than this though. Yeah. Guarded fuck you, you don't, you know what I mean? It's like a leather jacket on their heart and if you fuck it up... <laughs> yeah. Did you just stain my fucking leather jacket heart, <laughs> you piece of shit? The point of the song moving out is pretty much that the American dream does not exist and it's pointless to work hard just to be able to afford the shiny, expensive things people buy to impress their neighbors. Again, this says a lot more about Billy Joel's state of mind than it says about anything, as far as I can tell. I respect people that get rich and they just talk about being rich. When people that have a shit ton of money write songs like this. It's just fucking annoying. Did you know that Billy Joel was at Donald Trump's wedding to Melania? No. 
Not surprising. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> I don't think you get to write songs like this. I'm yeah. not, I don't think he's a big fan of Trump the president or Trump the politician or anything. Sure. But come on, man. The guy who picks up my trash every week wasn't at Donald Trump's wedding. Yeah. I forgot to ask my bartender the other night, but I'm pretty sure she wasn't invited to Donald Trump's wedding. If these people want to save up their money and buy a Cadillac, maybe you should shut the fuck up, Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah. But that isn't going to make you happy. Well, I don't know, dude. You have 10 of them. So... How many nights in a row could he sell out Madison Square Garden singing songs like this about blue-collar people to blue-collar people? The kid in the song says he's moving out, but he never says what his big plan is. You're going to starve or freeze to death, kid. Yeah. The lyrics in it seem such a waste of time. If that's what it's all about, mama, if that's moving up, then I'm moving out. Do you think this is all bullshit so you're not going to get a job and you're going to leave home? Wow. Cool. I guess I'll re read about <laughs> you in the papers next year. Yeah. I don't know. Based on the message of this song, you think it'd be like, I'm going to move into the basement. He's a fucking asshole. Maybe this kid ended up going and washing dishes in an Italian restaurant somewhere. Maybe he's unwritten in the lines of scenes from an Italian restaurant. A seven and a half minute long song that Billy Joel wrote. It's actually just three different songs that he didn't think were good enough by themselves. So he put them all into one song. And in some strange form of alchemy, people brainwashed themselves enough to think it was genius. I don't. Oh, wow. He took three different pieces of shit. And now they are one amazing <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> Look at this shit. It's a bigger pile of shit now. He didn't even finish writing the individual pieces of the song. The hook to one of the parts is just him going, oh, whoa, uh, uh, oh, over and over again, man. It's a very common theme in Billy Joel songs. This guy wants to be Elton John so bad it has to drive him up the wall. What is that called? Is there like a, a musical term for that when you... Uh, because it is very common in pop music. What is it? Like when you go la 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 la, ooh la boo 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 ba 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 ba, whatever. Like, you know, you just nonsense. Wah! Yeah. Wah! Yeah. That kind of, yeah, yeah, you know, totally. <laughs> exactly. The kind of thing that a background vocal would be, unless you don't know how to write a song and you make it literally your chorus. Shit, tons of this stuff in Billy Joel songs. I think somebody should chop up all of the ooh, ooh, ah, la, 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 la things that he ever does in any song and put them in one song. Probably be like 20 minutes. That like sounds like torture. <laughs> Do you think that people know that this came out the same year as Bad Out of Hell by Meatloaf? No, I don't know if people know that. Paradise by the Dashboard Light versus everything Billy Joel ever did. Yeah, tough one. <laughs> like if you could go back in time and you had to kill Billy Joel or Meatloaf when they were both babies. You'd kill Billy Joel. Billy Joel is day. not going to make it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Also, before anyone gets mad at me about that baby killing joke, it's a very famous mental exercise about Hitler. And this is definitely the same thing. <laughs> That's exactly what you were trying to say. I thought so. Meatloaf wrote some fucking great songs. There's a lot of great songs on that album. I like to say that. I think it sucks that Billy Joel is probably the guy who orders the wine when he goes out to dinner with people. You know, a bottle of white, a bottle of red, perhaps a bottle of rosé instead. And everyone's bummed. They're like, fuck you, dude. Why are you even here? So hopefully the waitstaff is smart enough to bring him the most expensive shit on the menu. <laughs> they're laughing, but inside they're like secretly like, fucking hate this motherfucker. Why did we invite him? He usually picks up the check. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know he's gonna fucking pay for it, so I guess when we drink rosé again tonight billy ha, ha, ha. i love your music we're good friends <laughs> this is the same motherfucker who starts off the song new york state of mind by talking about all these normal vacation destinations all the normal places people go on vacation and then he says he'd rather take a greyhound bus to new york city 
This guy has either never been on a Greyhound bus before, or he's got his head so far up Jack Kerouac's ass that he's giving Woody Guthrie a blowjob. I love that sinking. None of this makes sense. These are the kind of things that like, I wish I could roll my eyes all the way around in my head. They would just be like on fire. I thought you were having a stroke for a yeah. second. Because <laughs> I can't handle it. It's just so very cringeworthy when rich people talk about riding the bus that not even poor people want to ride. You know what I mean? Nobody goes, I can't wait to ride the fucking Greyhound. No one says that. The only one that person that says that is someone that doesn't have to ride it. One time I had to take a Greyhound bus from Moscow, Idaho to Los Angeles, California. Jesus. That took about two days. Yeah. And I would rather sit next to an infant on every airplane flight for the rest of my life than ever do that again. Dude, that's because you had to do it. If you were fucking rich ass Billy Joel, you just wax poetic about it as if it's something to it. You know what happens when you ride a bus like that? You get sick. You get mugged. It fucking sucks because the person next to you is jerking off. It's not cool. Yeah, it's not good. No one likes riding the bus. It's kind of like being in prison for a little bit, honestly. Yeah, because it, it is. Yeah. It is prison on wheels. Two days, Tyler? I don't know how you survive. Last thing on Oof. New York State of Mind. I think pretty much every hack songwriter ever has tried to rewrite the song Georgia on my mind about whatever state they live in. Of course. It's so unnecessary to pretend anyone who did that did anything more than that. Yeah, that's all it is. Only the Good Die Young is a song about a guy who will say anything he can to convince a girl to fuck him. Come out, Virginia, don't let me wait. You Catholic girls start much too late. Ah, but sooner or later, it comes down to fate. I might as well be the one. Listen, only the good die young means we should fuck and get it over with. I don't, I've honestly, I've never understood the saying, only the good die young. I'm going to have to look up where that came from. This guy's a fucking tool, man. You might have heard that I run in a dangerous crowd. You're a fucking douche. Who says that? Nobody ever says I'm a bad boy or I'm a, I'm a tough guy. They just are. I do feel like he thinks that about himself, though. I do get the impression that Billy Joel thinks he's tough. I think he thinks he's, you know, one of the gang. He does strike me as the kind of guy that wants to be a gangster. And he, they kind of let him in the mafia type thing because he's so fucking famous and rich. Like Frank Sinatra? Right, yeah, not because he's actually worthy of it. You know, I will give Billy Joel that. He probably is a better singer than Frank Sinatra. That's really setting the bar pretty low. Yeah, it's not, I mean, still not a compliment or anything, but yeah. Only the Good Die Young was condemned by the Catholic Church because of those lyrics I just read. I could see some people thinking that means it's cool, like that's it's some dangerous song. It's about a girl named Virginia. She's a virgin named Virginia. Yeah. Sick play on words, dude. <laughs> but also, here's a super fucked up part about this. I think this is about a real girl that Billy Joel really did want to fuck when he was a teenager. And I think this is her real name. That sucks. That's, can you? Oh, man. Really? That's a real fucked up thing to do if that's what happened here. I hope that is not true. I hope it's not true, so too. so fucked up. Dude, that would be such a bummer. Can you imagine the kind of messages Billy Joel would send to girls on Tinder? Oh, my God. I wish. Ugh. I wish so badly.
that social media existed when these people were young. One of the things that he says about this song when people ask about it is he always makes sure to point out that the girl in the song does not actually fuck the guy. Mm -hmm. So I'm surprised the next song on the album wasn't called She's a Bitch and I Didn't Want to Fuck Her Anyway. <laughs> Song's called Didn't Want to Anyway. <laughs> the funniest thing about this song though, and you can hear this if you listen to it after you know, Billy Joel originally wrote Only the Good Die Young as a reggae song and he was singing it with a fake Jamaican accent and Ooh. everything. And his drummer had to finally tell him to knock it off. His drummer was like, don't do that. It's pretty funny. What the fuck is going on in Billy Joel's <laughs> head? That's what I want to know. You know what the world needs? A reggae song about a Jamaican trying to bone a Catholic virgin. Sung by a white guy from New Jersey. Also, <laughs> I should be the dude who makes that. Right. I'm, I'm definitely the guy for that song. I really think it takes a lot of humility to be a songwriter. Just say to yourself, look, I wrote this really great song, but I'm not the person to sing it. A lot of, unfortunately, artists like Billy Joel never have that moment of clarity to say, this is inappropriate for a middle-aged white guy from New Jersey to be singing. Back to the thing in the interview where he's doing the demonstrations of Elton John and Leon Russell, it's really funny that he used Elton John and Leon Russell as the examples that he chose to respond to in that video, playing their songs and their styles. And it's really funny that he used the Elton John song that sounds the most like Big Shot because Big Shot just sounds like Leon Russell plus Elton John. Yeah, I think it sounds like a song that Elton John would be singing. The way he sings it just sounds like an Elton John vibe. Oh, dude, don't get it twisted. An Elton John version of this song would be way better than Billy Joel. It'd be version. way better and obviously just an Elton John song. Even if Elton John covered this song word for word, they yeah. should just say that's an Elton John song. It's. I like to imagine that Billy Joel does enunciate this dramatically in casual conversation. This is a song where he does that shit we were talking about earlier oh my God. with the crazy enunciation. He sounds like he's trying to talk like a young John Travolta for most of this song. Does he sing this way live? Because it would be almost. Oh, yeah, like, he still does. It would yeah. be harsh. It's part of the song. I think that he <laughs> thinks it's part of the performance. It's part of what people come to hear is him sing in this way, enunciate in this way. I may hate this song the most of any Bill <laughs> Joel song. No way. You definitely hate Piano Man more than Big Shot. Are you sure? I don't know. I may hate this worse. Wow. I hate this song is so. Dumb. I still got to give it to We Didn't Start the Fire, I think. I think that's my least favorite Billy Joel but what's, song. What's stupid about this song is like, dun, 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 dun. and then it goes, dun, 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 dun. it's like two different songs. We talked about this a little bit earlier. You said you didn't watch the music video for this song. I did. It's really funny how heavy the guys in this band and Billy Joel think this song is. If you watch the music video, I'm pretty sure that the guitar player thinks he's in Black Oak, Arkansas or some shit. Because <laughs> they're all like, he's. I think he's even playing an Explorer, possibly some metal guitar and rocking the heck out, if I may say so, sir. <laughs> you know, it's real. And Billy Joel just trying to not look like a robot, I guess. Also, I have a real huge question and I would love for someone to answer this why at two and a half minutes into this song why does billy joel start singing exactly like the count from sesame street has anyone ever asked billy joel this it's <laughs> it's right after the no 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 part at two minutes and 32 seconds he comes out of the no 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 you had to be a big shot <laughs> it's so has anyone ever asked billy joel why he did this 
I don't know. We'd love to find out. I mean, maybe this is him getting back in touch with his Muppet roots. I don't, I, I mean, I can just picture, I have this scenario in my head. Billy Joel finally snaps, you know, mm. and he can't stand another bad music review and he kidnaps a music critic, ties him to a chair like you'd read about in a Hannibal Lecter novel or something. Uh-huh. He puts in the vampire teeth and strips off all his clothes, hits play on this song and then does a little lip sync performance to it <laughs> right before he kills him. I want to see this. Someone could animate this. I guess if you're bored and you make cartoons are there any other I don't think we've ever done someone that repeats themselves so many times in their songs no 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 he loves that those like things my, I'm not and this is not I'm not joking when I say this I know my fucking one year old talks like that and I'm oh, dead yeah. Yeah. serious this is what babies do no 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 that's what he does and I'm like now I'm gonna think he's singing Billy Joel song well I think there are a lot of very successful pop artists even musicians working in other genres that sold a lot like Nirvana I think too made a lot of baby sound like it's a lot of baby sound syllables like mm. goo goo gaga type shit fuck this I mean Lady Gaga is literally her name one of the biggest pop stars on the planet I mean there's a lot to it you know early impressions stick with you yeah. until you die so yeah I think there's a reason why a lot of pop music is literally infantile in that way literally Infantile. So Big Shot is pretty much the song that a person writes after coming home from a party. All they can think about is how everyone at the party liked some other person at the party so much more than they liked you. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what this song is about. Everyone laughed at that other person's jokes and not yours, etc. The lines, all your friends were so knocked out and the line, you kept them so entertained implies that the person in this song is making everyone else at the party have a really good time. And the person writing the song has a problem that it was this other person. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to have written this song about Bianca Jagger, I think. Apparently, she like got drunk and embarrassed herself at dinner with Billy Joel and Mick Jagger, mm. some shit like that. But all it sounds like to me, if I look at the lyrics, if the lyrics are what happened, it sounds like people probably had a good time with Bianca Jagger while Billy Joel was there not getting any laughs. I think he was looking at himself in the mirror masturbating, going, you think you're a big shot? You had to be a big shot. He's going, no, 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 no. Crying when he wrote this, he cried. I just feel like if you really identify with Billy Joel's music, you're probably the kind of person who walks around thinking you never get the credit you deserve for whatever you think you deserve credit for. Well, if Big Shot is one of your favorite songs, I don't know how you feel any other way. If you read more than three Billy Joel interviews, you're going to immediately see how much it bothers this guy that critics are not always calling him a genius. It's just depressing. There's this song he's got called Pressure and the music video is one of the most pretentious things I've ever seen. I think it would be great if someone could make a gif of the part at the end of the music video where he's sitting in a chair, sort of like a clockwork orange situation and staring like a zombie into the sky or like this really bright light or something. Sort of like something that you might expect to see in a Gary Newman music Mm -hmm. video or something like that. Sure. Artsy weird shit. Yeah. He's singing the lyrics. Now here you are with your faith and your Peter Pan advice. You have no scars on your face and you cannot handle pressure. Wow. Like, why is this a Billy Joel lyric? This guy, I was gonna say. this is the guy who earlier was talking about how pop and rock lyrics should not be art. They're not supposed to be taken seriously or anything. What is this shit? This sounds like he ate like a quarter tab of acid and watched like some 
trippy movie and now all of a sudden he's like deep and weird yeah, it definitely sounds like he wants you to think he's smart yes exactly. at the That's very least it sounds like he wants you to think he's, he's smart like, yo i have watched art movies and i am weird now watch me make this video for someone who thinks that about pop music that it's not supposed to be smart it also feels to me like he's always trying to write songs from a more serious perspective that he couldn't possibly understand like the song Allentown, which is supposed to be this whole workers, a mill worker, a factory worker song, or the Saigon song with soldiers. There's no fucking way this guy knows what it's like to be a soldier. Well, we definitely doesn't. He watched an Oliver Stone movie. Tapping into his Bruce Springsteen side. Yeah, come he's on, man. Bruce with a piano, buddy. Like, I can't imagine who Billy Joel thinks he's representing in the song My Life. It seems to be a song about someone chasing their artistic dream because it starts talking about a friend who presumably is making a living in L.A. as a stand-up comic. Then the rest of the song is about how you could pretty much fuck off and I'd rather be homeless than give up on my dreams. It's my life and it's now or never. That is the song. That's the song, right? That is the song, yeah. I ain't gonna live forever. I'm a good singer. I don't care what anybody says. The Billy Joel song, My Life, is from the album 52nd Street. Which is how many uh, how many fucking records are we into This here is the this one point? where Billy Joel is supposed to have brought a bunch of jazz to his sound. Zanzibar is a song everyone cites as an example of this. But, dude, I've heard Steely Dan before, and I know what this bullshit is. <laughs> Stop calling it jazz. Please, I don't need you to worry for me because I'm all right. I don't want you to tell me it's time to come home. I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. Go ahead with your own life. Leave me alone. And then the rest of the lyrics, if you look at it, it's essentially talking about how you shouldn't listen to anyone and you should just like, you know, be homeless. Eventually you'll have somewhere to sleep. I don't know. I think people that say, I don't care what you have to say anymore. This is my life. Mm -hmm. I think something they're telling themselves. I usually write a song when I don't care about yeah, something. Exactly. I usually write a song about it, Mark. Yes. That's, that's what I mean. When I read that, I'm like, are you, are you, are you telling that for us? What I do when I don't care about something is usually I'll spend, I don't know, three weeks sometimes at home really working on the lyrics of a song about that. And then what I'll do is it's kind of expensive. I don't know if you've ever tried to do it, but I'll rent studio space and then hire a bunch of professional musicians <laughs> to come in. I'll show you how much I don't care. And then we'll all spend again. Cause I don't care. Uh -huh. That's why I'll do this. I don't care. So then what we'll do is we'll all go in there and we'll spend a few hours making a song. And then I talk my record company into releasing it because mm -hmm. I don't care. Billy Joel is absolutely trying to sing like Harry Nilsson on the song My Life. This is a year after Nilsson dropped his label when they botched that album rollout I talked about early, earlier. This looks like a chance to be the only guy singing that way on the radio this year. Well, shit, I'm going to go ahead and take it. Oh, dude, this song went to number one in Zimbabwe, though. Did it? That really tells you something. Just find that? <laughs> yes, I did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's a cool, dangerous vibe to put in a song. You know, I used to be homeless or whatever, but you can just hire a publicist to lie about it and <laughs> say you lived in your car or something mm -hmm. before you realized how much money you can make impersonating Harry Nilsson. My life has been compared to the Beatles a lot, which is fair, but Nilsson was basically if the Beatles were only one guy and wrote songs you actually wanted to listen to, mm -hmm. which is why the Beatles were listening to Harry Nilsson in the 60s. And Billy Joel is absolutely trying to sing like Harry Nilsson on this song. Billy Joel also is one of these artists that has umpteen big songs, but also has so many fucking records. It's too much. God yeah. damn. If you put out 150 songs, it's just statistically there's going to be 10 songs that people like. Well, especially if you are apparently under no pressure 
to have a consistent sound. Apparently, it's okay if you just decide, sure, I'm going to rip off Elton John on this song, Harry Nilsson on this song, the Rolling Stones on this song. I think You May Be Right is a pretty good example of the kind of nonsense Billy Joel thought he could put out and be called a genius. He put it out and it was a hit, of course. He can keep getting hits by just switching who he's trying to sound like. When you're borrowing what's popular from other people that are much bigger, more influential artists, you're going to have songs. It's not that hard. If you wheel a karaoke machine into a bar, you're gonna get people to sign up and sing the worst versions of famous songs that you've ever heard. Yes. So why is it a stretch to propose that someone would make a career out of just slightly altering these songs and making more of them? People will go for the karaoke machine, so they'll definitely go for the thing that looks like the same thing as what's on the karaoke machine. Everyone listening to this who follows us on Facebook or if you listen on YouTube, anywhere where you can leave a comment, do me a favor. Look up the Billy Joel song, You May Be Right, and leave a comment if you spent your whole life until now thinking that was a bad Rolling Stones song. Mm-hmm. I want you to leave a comment if you legit straight up thought that was a Rolling Stones song recorded on a day that Mick Jagger had a cold. Because I think a lot of people just think this is a Rolling Stones song. He sat at home dissecting your favorite songs reworking them into his own songs and putting out so many of them. It started sticking. The same album as you may be right, Glass Houses also has a song called It's Still Rock and Roll to Me. How much music by the band The Cars do you think Billy Joel listened to between this album and the last one he put out? Because this song is about how new wave music, like The Cars were performing, it still sounds like rock and roll to him. And just to prove it, he made the song sound like The Cars. (laughs) But it's so good. You don't get Billy. You don't get him. If it's not possible to write original music, then why does everyone say the Billy Joel song Uptown Girl sounds like Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons? Mm. Why does everyone say Uptown Girl sounds like Frankie Valli? Why is that the first, last, and only artist everyone compares that song to? And how come no one ever takes an extra step of saying Frankie Valli sounds like something that came before him? Everyone goes Uptown Girl sounds like Frankie Valli. No one ever goes Frankie Valli sounds like fill in the blank. You want to know why? Because there was no fill in the blank. Because <laughs> you can do original stuff. Right. Because Frankie Valley <laughs> and the Four Seasons were original. That's why when Billy Joel decided in the 80s to make a whole album of songs that blatantly imitate other artists, he was able to say, let's do one that sounds like Frankie Valley. No one was like, but Billy, don't you mean the guy that Frankie Valley was ripping <laughs> off the whole time? Right. But all of Billy Joel's songs are blatant imitations of other artists. It's not just that album. And it's artists that are super famous, like the Beatles. This guy has songs that sound mm-hmm. like way too close to Beatles songs. You can't do that. Mm. Well, you can if you're Billy Joel. Let me show you on piano. This is how the Beatles would have played it. Ding dong, ding dong, ding. It's just as bad, if not worse, than Oasis. Sure. Artists like Billy Joel that paved the way for Oasis and so many bands that we've covered on this podcast, actually. I'm sure we've talked before about how pointless it is for someone to cover a song exactly like the original. Mm-hmm. Uptown Girl, it's a cover of a Four Seasons song that never even existed. There it is again. Every aspect of this song is an attempt to sound like the Four Seasons mm-hmm. to such a degree that, again, I know there are thousands, if not millions of people who think this is the Four Seasons worst song. 
Billy Joel came out with this about five years after the movie Deer Hunter. And if you haven't seen the movie Deer Hunter, about a bajillion people did, and it turned a whole new generation on to Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons. And the power of movies. And TV shows, because Billy Joel had so many fucking TV shows and is using his music, God bless. Also, it is not impressive that Billy Joel can sing like Frankie Valli because, newsflash, he cannot. But he could try. Listen to the way he sings, and when she knows. After the song comes out of the chorus and the intro, that's where Frankie Valli would have gone into this crazy high falsetto that Billy Joel could never ever do, which is why he doesn't do it. It's dumb. When Billy Joel performs this song live, he grabs his nuts, like that's what's making his voice go higher, <laughs> and I think it's like a bit of an act to try to make it seem like his voice is going higher than it actually is, you know? Yeah. People will believe their eyes more than their ears. He's jamming his nuts up inside him, that's what I think he's doing. This song is from the album that Billy made. The whole album is blatantly and deliberately copying different bands from the 50s and 60s. It's not possible to argue that this guy is not derivative. He always, always was. And he finally just decided to stop pretending. He finally just got sick he of it. He's like, you know yes. what? Fucking you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> That's what he is. He's the guy that takes all the fun and exciting things about everyone he rips off and goes, I'm going to take the edge off all this stuff. You can go to a Billy Joel concert without having to question your sexuality. That's not going to happen at an Elton John show. You know, you go see Elton, maybe you get glitter on you. Not when you come to my show. <laughs> no glitter at my show. This is Mark Mosley talking. Uh, by this time, you probably have a good idea whether you agree with us or not. And if you don't like the podcast, that's completely fine. Everyone needs a moronic friend. Either way, we don't really care. We just like to get discussions going around all these topics, you know? If you're a fan of me, Tyler, do us a favor. Go ahead and share this episode. Yeah, tweet about it. Post it on your Facebook Actually, the thing I think you should do, click the little share button on whatever phone you have, send it to someone that you know likes the band of the episode that you're currently listening to. It is most important <laughs> thing that you know where your friends stand with these things. And the only way to know that is you send them this episode. You wait for the fallout to happen. Right, then go to yfbspod.com. You can get stickers, buttons, shirts. By the time you're hearing this, there's no telling what'll be in the store. Just get something. Yeah. Make sure if it's a sticker, like put it on your car. On the passenger side window. Facing in. After that friend doesn't even acknowledge that you sent them the episode, but they definitely listen to it. No way to resist it. It's kind of awkward the next time you see them. Sure. Especially when you're wearing a Your Favorite Band Sucks t-shirt, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You'll like it. I'm trying, I'm trying a new catchphrase out. <laughs> you'll like it. You'll like it. Mark says you'll like it. <laughs> How pissed off do you think Bruce Springsteen was the day he showed up to the studio to lay down vocals on whatever the song was going to be and found out Billy Joel had already stolen the tape and recorded We Didn't Start the Fire over it. We didn't start the fire. This song is like someone told Billy Joel about talking heads at a party one time and he didn't think he had to listen to it to go make his own version of it. I'd just fucking do my own. And he's real cocky about it. Oh, you mean like this? <laughs> <laughs> Let me show you the lyrics to my oh, song. I don't even, oh man. Dude, we could do, oh my God. I mean, we could do almost an episode about yeah, all the bands he mentions. He talks about you too in here. It would take a year to deconstruct the lyrics of this song. I mean, obviously he wasn't trying for anything other than loose rhymes and fitting certain names in. But the impressive thing is that this was before the internet. So he had to have gone to a library to write this. So, okay, 
Let's let's dissect this for a second. Oh God, is he is he saying that all these things he listed are are bad? Like we didn't start the fire because he lists about like AIDS. I don't think it's assigning a value to any of this stuff. I think it's just all supposed to be reference points of big things that happened. Yeah, the story is that he was in the studio and some of the younger guys were talking about how crazy the world was right then. I don't remember what specifically happened. It's probably in the lyrics of the song and whatever the most recent big news in the song lyrics are is probably what they were talking about. Billy Joel said something and they were like, yeah, but like things weren't this crazy when you were a kid, right? You know, because every generation thinks they're the only one that matters. I'm not going to lie, dude. The fact that he fucking rhyme schemed birth control, Ho Chi Minh, Richard Nixon back again, Moonshot, Woodstock, Watergate, Punk Rock. That's some next level shit. You think he's... That's fucking crazy. You think this is the best Billy Joel song, Mark? This, this possibly could be the best thing he ever wrote because he mentions U2 and AIDS and crack and heavy metal, Wheel of Fortune and suicide all in the same song. Pretty fucking brilliant, man. Like, what is an average day of hanging out with this guy like? Fucking pure torture, for sure. Drinking rosé. Are we watching Wheel of Fortune, drinking rosé, smoking crack? (laughs) Yes. Listening to heavy metal. Budapest, Alabama. What did Billy Joel do in Alabama? Well, also, if the theme is, say, major moments or major people, so it makes sense to... Well, does he mention Richard Nixon twice? He does, yeah, because Richard, then Richard Nixon back again. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, but then why is he talking about Little Rock, Arkansas? Billy Joel must have done some crazy shit in Little Rock, man. You don't know. Yeah, that's true. It's where he lost his virginity, did blow for the first time. I don't know. They might have put up a plaque wherever this guy partied in Little Rock. He might have done some real wild shit. Yeah, I guess there's just a few things in here that don't make sense compared to the depth of the other things. You right, know? like some things seemed important to him at the time and no one even knows what they are now. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem with trying to get too recent in your social commentary. Why is that? That's why we don't do a lot of episodes on bands who are currently famous because yeah. five years from now, we're not trying to have contributed to some <laughs> bullshit band being more relevant than they ever would have been if we had just left it alone for five more years. <laughs> That's right. They'll still be there if they're worth making fun of in five years. All right. <laughs> let's let their let's let their career peter out. It's like a fine wine. You got to let ineptitude breathe a little bit to see where the true talent for it lies. Oh, dude. Somebody went through every single thing he mentioned in the song and fucking put it in the wikipedia no what asshole did that okay well and now i know my answers do you know why he mentions disneyland along with aids did someone get aids at disneyland nope disneyland Uh opened uh in the 50s i feel like my thing would have been better oh you too wasn't the band the bomb or the it was a spy plane mother Fudger. <laughs> so now this song sucks. Shit. This song's stupid. It's madness to me that there are people who think this is a song with something to say or a song that even has any kind of point whatsoever. Imagine if someone threw down an early Springsteen ripoff track and then sang a list of everything Donald Trump has done since announcing that he would run for president. Yeah, just replace all the words. You could do that and no one would give a shit. It's something that Saturday Night Live would do as a joke, but it would be so stupid that it wasn't funny. We didn't start the fire is essentially pretending that that would be genius. This is what it is. It's the aristocrats of songs. Yes. How long will people listen to me do this? (laughs) And you could also continue it on forever. You could just inject new words into this and make a new song forever. Oh man, what a song. I don't know. I'm not sure if this even is a song. There is no melody in this song. And again, this is a situation where you cannot disagree with us without disagreeing with the guy who made it. Billy Joel hates the melody of this song. Because there isn't one. 
quick side note, my favorite things about this entire podcast is people get pissed at us and you could just be like, well, I mean, the artist said it. Find out two more things about the artist that you say you love so much and you have to agree with us. <laughs> right. He has straight up called the melody of this song terrible and compared it to a dentist drill. I'm a hack, but people keep letting me get away with it. So what am I going to do? Try? Don't be silly. This is actually right up the Billy Joel songwriting, singing, not singing vibe because he can enunciate these words. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Every word in the song. Wheel of Fortune, Sally Ride, Heavy Metal Suicide. You know how there are people who pride themselves on knowing all the words yes, to a complicated fuck. song? This is one of them. This may be the biggest. Can't imagine walking around with all of the lyrics to this song in my memory. And Billy Joel has to do that. So maybe this explains a lot about who he is as a person. There's just not much room there for developing anything else, like higher thought. Yeah. We should probably just be happy this guy still has thumbs. He could have devolved. This has actually soaked up so much of his brain power is what you're saying. Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. That's a, that's a good out for him to use if he ever, you know. I would start using that out if I was him. If this song does have a point, it is the most okay boomer song ever recorded. If the point of this song is, we didn't start the fire, this isn't our fault, these are all just things that happened and I had nothing to do with any of them, I'm just name checking all these things I read about in news headlines, this is happening to me, I'm not participating. This is the Boomer theme song. Yes. If you're confused about the OK Boomer meme, read the lyrics of this song. This is why that's a joke. Yeah, that's what the whole thing is, is we didn't start the fire, it's not your fault, right? I do sometimes wonder if this whole song is Billy Joel's way of calling the world hell. That's the fire, the hell on earth we're all experiencing right now. <laughs> yeah, man. Otherwise, what's the fire? What fire? Is this guy walking into the police station once a week ranting about how he didn't steal anything either? Yeah. I didn't start a fire. I didn't steal anything. If you didn't do this, Billy, you don't need to put this much effort into the denying it. What fire, Billy? Has anyone checked the fires in state parks against his touring schedules just one time? That's all I'm saying. Maybe people should just take this song very literally. This is one of those things where somebody is denying something. We didn't even think that you did do that. That's the curse of this song is it's so devoid of meaning that it's like a black hole and you can't help but try to throw your own meaning at it. Yeah. It just sucks logic out of your brain toward it and you try to explain it and there's no rational explanation. Many of these names and events are important. So when someone references them, it activates the this is important part of my brain and I start looking for the important connections. Why is this important? How does this connect to that? Mm. You know, it's like if you, this song is like looking at someone's murder wall, you know, any yeah. show where they're trying to solve a murder, they have a murder board, pins and string connecting suspects and events <laughs> and locations. But there is no logic here. When he says JFK blown away, what else do I have to say? That sort of sums it all up, dude. Yeah. Like you can reference the Kennedy assassination and for sure I'm going to start thinking about important things. But when you follow it up with what else do I have to say? Yeah. Well, you kind of just said it all, I think. <laughs> this extremely altering, crazy moment in history and say, what else do you have to say? Punctuate it with that. I think that speaks volumes. That's it, right? That's it. That's it's all a sad, say. sad day when Glenn Danzig has more interesting things to say about the Kennedy assassination than your favorite band or singer does. Literally the song bullet has more interesting commentary on the Kennedy assassination than we didn't start the fire. If this is someone's favorite song, then you also know that end of the world by REM is that person's second favorite song. 
And that's kind of all you need to know about that person's taste in music. This is the same song as End of the World. Yeah, do you think it's possible that there's people out there right now that know all the words to both? Yeah. Is that possible? There's got to be one guy. I know a lot of people think that the Billy Joel song came out first and R.E.M. is a ripoff of We Didn't Start the Fire, but that is not the case. Mm. The R.E.M. song came out first. So yet again, another example. Billy Joel. Oh, that's what people want to hear? I could do that. God dang, dude. Imagine Billy Joel ripped off R.E.M. I think people have sort of a fudge timeline of when all this stuff went down. If any Billy Joel song reminds you of another song, it's super likely <laughs> the other song came out first, y'all. <laughs> yeah. I don't think people are finding out about Billy Joel that much now. I don't think this guy is going to be passed no, down no, to no, new generation. No, no, no. You think I'm wrong? You say that. <laughs> and they're going to put one of these stupid fucking songs in a movie. Uh, and that movie is going to be extremely popular with young people. That's exactly what people said about Queen. And then fucking Wayne's World came out. And then think about all the other movies that rehashed old songs. And we're going to be right back here again in five years talking about no, really, seriously. Oh, Mark, you may be right. I may be crazy. You should never underestimate the stupidity of people. If that happens, the only way it makes sense is that half a century after the fact, art that was created as nostalgia at the time gets blended in with the original thing. Mm -hmm. Like I think that there are people who haven't gone back and built a timeline of the history of music or anything like that. They hear Uptown Girl, oh, that must have happened at the same time as Frankie Valli. Mm. They don't do the homework and find out this guy is just repurposing something else. It's all Billy Joel ever did, but now looking back at everything, that's all just the past. Example, Elton John's Tiny Dancer came out in the year 1971 with the verse, Piano Man, he makes his stand in the auditorium. Looking on, she sings the songs, the words she knows, the tune she hums. Four years later, Billy Joel puts out a song called Piano Man with a shitload of humming in it. <laughs> like, I don't think this is an accident, you know? He was inspired. And I don't think I'm having to read between the lines to say that either. I think this is looking directly at the lines. <laughs> I think we could definitely do an episode on Elton John and blame... Oh, yeah. Billy Joel's entire existence on Elton John. It is. If Elton John was your favorite artist, it would be a huge burden to know how responsible he was for Billy Joel. And in turn, if Billy Joel is your favorite band, your favorite band sucks. You are welcome for this two-part exploration of the creative black hole that is Billy Joel's entire career. Based on request, I know for a fact that a ton of you were waiting on these episodes. Share far and wide. Grab your links at yfbspod.com, get yourself some merch or buy some for someone else. If you just want to say thanks, you can throw a few bucks in the tip jar we have set up on the merch store. And if you're a true ride or die, then you can support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash yfbspod. Mark set this up, so I'm not super familiar with the ins and outs of different levels. I know that $5 a month gets you 30% off all merchandise orders, which seems like a good deal to me. All right, I did go ahead and look up the origin of the saying, only the good die young. It comes from some ancient Greek guy who wrote... Quote, whom the gods love dies young, end quote. The meaning there 
would be that the gods want to hang out with the best humans available and they don't want to wait. So they take them while they're young and it's a party up there on Olympus or wherever the fuck, I don't know. So yeah, it's a saying born of the human mind attempting to rationalize and process intense, tragic grief, which Billy Joel is now using to try to get laid in a bar. I mean, there's at least another 15 minutes Mark and I could have done here on things people say out of grief at a funeral, which Billy Joel may then go on to try to use in a bar to get laid. Such a shame he was taken from us much too soon. He had... So much life to live. I mean, just think, Beverly, if he were here tomorrow morning, he'd find out about how hard I'm going to wreck that pussy tonight, etc. As for why Little Rock, Arkansas and the state of Alabama are mentioned in We Didn't Start the Fire, these two places were obviously very significant to the civil rights movement. So everyone who thought I really didn't know who Rosa Parks was in the Outcast episode, you can go ahead and give it a rest on this one. Uh, Besides, you're going to want to save your energy for the Metalocalypse, because when the podcast returns, we will be telling you all about how much your favorite car sucks. With our deepest and sincerest